Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Told you we'll be studying through the book of Ephesians. Such a fascinating book of the Bible. And again, I encourage us to just read through it. Um, six chapters, just sit down and read through it multiple times if you can uh, while we're uh, in this series. We're going to start, though, with just one verse at the beginning in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse uh, 10. It's good to be in church, isn't it? Amen. Amen. He says this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus on two good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. This is a, a, a rich passage, a rich verse right here. And I think of the kids' song, He's Still Working on Me. I, I think the kids are actually learning that right now in, uh, in Sunday school over the last few weeks. He's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. You know, it took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. Because he's still working on me. And I thank God for that. Thank God for his patience and his mercy and his grace that uh, he is not. Listen, here's the good, here's the promise. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself already. Because I love the promises. But he—he's not going to quit working on us. That's the good thing. He said, "Well, I've messed up. I've done this. I've done that." It's not. That's that's the wonderful part about Ephesians here that we're that we're studying. That this is God's work. This isn't our work. And He doesn't say you're still working on you, and I'm still working on me. He says He is working on us. He, we are His workmanship. The we here we've already established in chapter one. Those that are in Christ. And that would be, and I encourage you when you read through Ephesians, try to underline that every time. If you underline stuff in your Bible, which I do. Underline in Christ. Every time it says it in Ephesians. In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. And so he says, for those that are in Christ, call saints. He calls us saints. Those that are in Christ. A, A chosen generation. A peculiar people. A royal priesthood. That's what he says about us. Again, we don't always feel that way. I mean, I don't know if you woke up this morning feeling like a royal priesthood, but sometimes you don't always feel that way, but that's what God says about us. A peculiar people. Now, we can probably say amen to that. We're a peculiar people. But He says that we should show forth the praise of His glory. That's what last Sunday was about, right? That we, we bless Him, praise, worship, honor, because He blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, who are called out of darkness. We've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is good news. The we are us, those that are in Christ Jesus. He says, for we are His, and the His is the Father. 
God, remembering that we are the clay and He is the potter and we are His workmanship. When you think about... Have you ever heard uh, someone say, well, that is very good workmanship, right? Or they'll warranty the workmanship or something like that. When you think of workmanship, uh, you think of something that's made, something that's produced. And the greatness of the value... Again, remember, we're His workmanship. The greatness of the value of what is produced or what is created depends on the skill of the workman. I think that that's great. That the value that is put on us is not, uh, it's not inherent in what we do, but of what He does. And what He does in us. And what He does through us. And not only what He does, the skill of the workman, and my goodness, uh, the skill of God is unmatched. He spoke the world into existence. He has all power in heaven and earth, but also the materials in which it is made. And He tells us in the Scripture that we are created and made not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Through His mercy and grace, He is forming us. Or maybe better said, He is transforming us into His image, making us like Christ. He says in Ephesians, you're in Ephesians, just skip over to chapter 4 for a second. Chapter 4, verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. He says this, um, that you put off concerning the former conversation, or you put off concerning the former way of life, right? The old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on. So there's some things that we should put off. There's some things that we should put on. He says, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So God's work, we're His workmanship. He's working on us. He is creating something in us. And it's all being created in righteousness and true holiness as He creates us into His image and makes us like Him. We are created. By the way, God, He is a creator. He is a creator. I think that it's interesting to go back into Genesis and see the creating work of God and how He spoke the world into existence, but yet He got involved in the forming of man. He spoke, he spoke light, right? He spoke all these things, but He got His hands dirty, if you will, when He made man. Isn't that interesting? When you read down through that, how it all comes together, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. I, I don't know if you've ever just stopped and thought about that. Just formed man of the dust of the ground. I heard a preacher talking about the sculptors and people that can do awesome things and make people make, whether it's wax or, or stone or marble even, can make lifelike looking people, things like that. That's just God did. He formed it. But He went one step further than just being able to form it. The Bible says that He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Wow. This is God's forming. This is the person. This is the Godhead that is working on us. And 
The Bible, when you read there in Genesis, I think that is also interesting, that everything God made and everything that God created, He said what about it? What can, can you remember? He said, and it was, and it was good. He made everything, and when He makes something, He makes it what? Good. So if God's working on us, He is working on us, and it's good. I mean, it's going to turn out really, really good. He said, I don't feel like it is. Hey, just be patient. He's still working on us. Uh, He's still doing something. The first time in the Bible that God says something was not good is when He sees that man uh, doesn't have a companion. He says that. He says it's not good that man should be alone. So God goes and He creates a woman. He creates Eve for them to be together. And this is the beginning creation, the beginning forming of man. And we all know what happens. Sin enters in and corruption comes because of that. But then there's a new creation that God does. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You say, man, we're turning to a lot of Scriptures this morning. I think it's good to turn to the Scriptures. I think that... uh, uh, the scriptures have power. They have the Bible says, "My words, they are spirit, and they are life." Uh, this is not my opinion here. This is not a a good uh, a good uh, uh, story. This is not a fable that has a great uh, purpose. But this is the word of God that I believe can bring transformation to our lives and our minds. He says in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and verse thirty-two. Excuse me, verse forty-two. 1 Corinthians 15, 42. This whole chapter is rich on resurrection. Boy, isn't that what makes all the difference in our faith in Christ Jesus? Is that He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And because He rose and He is in us, we have the hope of resurrection. We have the hope of eternal life who is Christ living in us. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption and raised in incorruption. For a believer, we're just sown. We just fall asleep. The corrupt, the corruptible turns back to dust, but we are raised in incorruption. He said it is sown in dishonor, verse 43, and it is raised in glory, sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body and raised a spiritual body. There is, and I think this is interesting that that he says this. Hey, Paul says, hey, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. As And and so it is written, the first Adam, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And the last Adam, talking about Christ Jesus, was made a quickening spirit. In other words, a living, alive, a a live, living spirit, a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. We had our natural birth before we had our spiritual birth. Would you agree with that? He says the last Adam is of the earth, earthy. The second man is uh, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we were, we were born, we have the image of the first Adam. He says, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So the Lord is working to create in us His image. He is working on us 
for good, this new birth, this new creation. God has done it. This was not by the will of man. We're not going to be made into the image of God by trying hard. We're not going to be made into the image of God by turning over a new leaf or becoming religious, uh, doing a bunch of religious things. It has to be a work of God in us. And He's promised He will do it. Here's here's an explanation. I told you that the Gospel was the the life of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts is the proclaiming of the Gospel, preaching of the Gospel, right? And then Paul's letters to the churches would be something like, the gospel explained, or 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 um, what it means to a believer that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In other words, the gospel defined in a believer's life. Here's a good definition of this new birth and how it happens in Ephesians chapter two. We read verse ten. Now we're going to back up to the beginning of the chapter, in verse one. In Ephesians chapter two, and verse one. Remember, he's talking to those that are saints those that are in Christ, those that are at Ephesus and in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He says in verse 1, And you hath He quickened, or, And you hath He made alive, who was dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also you had your conversation or your way of life in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the lust of the flesh and the mind, and more by, look at this, nature the children of wrath, even as others. Boy, I'll tell you what, that does not, that's not, that doesn't paint a very pretty picture, does it? Folks, we're dead in sin, we're just earthy. Right? That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. We're just trying to please ourselves. We're just living for, for pleasure. We're just living for comfort. We're just living for whatever we want, or whatever feels good. We're just earthy. And he says, man, just living for the lust of the flesh. Whatever we desire, that's what we have. But he says, look at this. Spiritually, we're dead. That's what he said. Spiritually, dead, dead in trespasses and sins. But, but, that's, that's the gospel. The but God, verse 4. Look at this. But God, who is rich in mercy with His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Verse 6, I like this and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. And then here's one of those, those times. In Christ Jesus. That. Now this is, this is a promise that you want to... There's a lot of good promises in Ephesians. Here's one that you want to latch on to. Verse 7. That. So if you're in Christ, if you were dead in trespasses and sins, but we received the grace of Jesus Christ into our lives, he says that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He said, what are we going to do in eternity? What are we going to do in heaven? What are we going to do in the ages to come? Uh, We're going to experience all spiritual blessings. We're going to experience God's riches and kindness toward us. That's what He has planned for us as the bride of Christ, the church. 
He says in verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. That's a good verse that should go along with verse 10. That God, now that we are in Christ, is creating us to good works. You say, how do you reconcile that? Uh, You're saved by grace through faith, not by works. That's clear. But after you've been put in Christ, God begins to work in us to do good works. That God in us begins to empower us uh, to fulfill His call, fulfill His mission in us. We were dead. We were dead. Spiritually. Like if... I, I know that this is, you know... The world today goes crazy about worldly things. They get excited, you know, about all kinds of stuff. And and, and they get thrilled to death. And then you tell them something about uh, something about heaven, eternity, and God working in us, and there's like a blank stare, right? They don't see it. And I'm not being judgmental. They're just dead to spiritual things. They've never been quickened. They never have, they don't have the Holy Spirit. That's why it's our job to tell the gospel. But here's the good news is thank God that we have if you've been quickened, if you've been made alive, you were dead and now you're alive. I, I think of the story of Lazarus in the Gospel of John where Jesus came to the funeral but late. But right on time. That's right. Right? That's but late, but right on time. Mary Martha thought he was late. That's what I was talking about earlier. God's timing is perfect. We might think things are behind schedule or things are late, but it was right on time. God came to Lazarus' funeral right on time but four days late. Right? The Bible says that he's stinking. So that's not a good thing, right? And he says, uh, he says to, to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. I heard one preacher say he had to say Lazarus, come forth. So if he didn't say Lazarus, come forth, the whole grave uh, site would have come forth. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. And then the next chapter, I think it's chapter 12. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus is seated at the table. And the Bible says this, that the Jews, many of them, came out to see Lazarus, who Jesus Christ had raised from the dead. And I just can imagine that conversation going on, right? That, so Lazarus, what's it like to have been dead and yet alive? And I'm, I, I guarantee that Lazarus' story is saying, my goodness, it is so good to be alive. It's so wonderful to be alive. What have you been up to, Lazarus? Well, a week ago I was dead. But this week, now I'm alive, right? Something like that. We have that same testimony. When people come up to us, when we begin to talk to people, oh, what have you been doing lately? What's going on? Well, you never believed this. Spiritually, there was a time in my life that I was dead. I didn't see, I didn't see what God was doing. I couldn't know God. But now I'm alive. Now I've been made alive and resurrected in Christ. You know what I find fascinating? If you keep reading through Genesis or John chapter 12 in there, some of the funniest verses in the scripture, the Bible says that the chief priests began to plot how to kill Lazarus because many of the Jewish people were believing on Jesus because he was risen from the dead. I thought, that's, that's as good as man can do is threatened to kill someone who was just resurrected from the dead, right? It's like, Lazarus, we're going to kill you. And Lazarus would be like, man, I was already dead. As long as Christ's here, i got nothing to worry about, right? Is that the best you can do? Is that the best you can do is just offer uh, to kill me? But we as believers, we have that same testimony. We have that same testimony that, listen, 
One time I was dead. One time I didn't see. One time I couldn't hear God. One time I didn't know God. I thought I did, but it was from everybody else's opinion of who God was. But there was a time in my life that this, when I called out to God and asked Him to forgive me my sins and to come into my heart, they quickened me and made me alive. And now the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. And now I know that God is working on me. He's working in me and on me and through me. All those things. It's wonderful. He says, if, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation, right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We have new life created in Christ to good works. Again, we're not in Christ because of good works, but now that Christ is in us, there will be results of that, right? He says that, uh, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do His pleasure. I want to I say this again. It's not us that work. It's us that allows God to work. In other words, there's a lot of, not my will but thy be done. The work is sometimes surrender and get out of the way. Allow God to do it. It is God that works in us. And He is working on us and through us and all those wonderful things. In the book of Jeremiah, there's a story, Jeremiah chapter 18, where the Lord tells Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. The Bible says in verse 1 of Jeremiah 18, in the word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. It's good to go, to go and hear God's words, isn't it? Then I went down to the potter's house, Jeremiah said, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. And the vessel that he had made of clay was marred. Sometimes we get marred. Sometimes we're broken. Sometimes things in our lives scar us and hurt us. And he said, in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter, to make it. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then he says later, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand. Listen, do we believe that? Do we believe that God is the potter and that we are the clay made from the dust of the ground but breathed into our uh, body the breath of life, the Holy Spirit has come in and quickened us? And made us alive. And now we're just clay in the potter's hands. uh, Willing to be made uh, useful as a vessel. I thought that was interesting. He says, he made another vessel. It was the same clump of clay, wasn't it? But a new purpose. Isn't that what happens when we have a true walk and relationship with Christ? When we're born again? That we are the same lump of clay, but we got a new purpose. Uh, we are repurposed, if you will. For what? For His glory. For His use. And here's what it is. Here's, what we, here's the hard part that we have to get a grip with. As it seemed good to the pot. As, it's, you know, as you go down to the potter's house, I don't know a lot about it, but I guarantee the clay doesn't pick the vessel. The potter picks the vessel. He picks it, and He knows what He wants for us. He knows our best use. He knows how we are going to be best served in our life. Here's what we can do. 
we can be pliable. Right? We don't have to be hard-hearted. We can be humble. I would think pliable. I would think of humble. Surrender. Willing to allow the Father to do what He has done. Isn't it interesting in your own life and to look around how God uses different things, different circumstances, different pressures, different heats, different circumstances to make a man, to make a woman, to make a vessel. The vessel does not make itself. This is called the sanctification process that we talk about. The Father has sent the Son. He's the judge. He's the one that justifies. The Son is the one that was our sacrifice. Jesus Christ. He's the one that quickens. But the Spirit draws us to Christ and sanctifies us. Or in other words, sets us apart for God's service. The Holy Spirit is working in us to make us into the image of Christ. And the Bible says that in 1 Thessalonians. For this is the will of God, even our sanctification. Then the very next verse, verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, 4, he says this, For every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. He even calls us vessels. Possess his vessel to sanctification and honor. What is the vessel? We are the vessel. Who fills the vessel? The Spirit fills the vessel. It's God in us. He is the light that is in us. Amen? And when His light can shine out through us, the world sees Christ in us and through us. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, he says this, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the Master's use, prepared unto every good work. In other words, uh, there's a process of us repenting, us purging ourselves, us turning from the sins in our, our lives. What? For God's purpose. Just as when Paul received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior on the way to Damascus, God said he is a chosen vessel. We, all, we too are a chosen vessel. We too are God's people chosen. I want to I want us to turn to one more passage here. I've got a few more, but this is the last one you'll turn to in Philippians Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And this one is a a wonderful promise. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verse He says, For your fellowship, for our fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. By the way, that's what our fellowship is here. We're a fellowship. We're a church. You say, what's it centered around? The gospel. It's centered around the word of God and Jesus Christ. That's what our fellowship is here. Being confident. Here's the promise. Being confident of this very thing. I hope that we can all leave church this morning with some confidence. You say of what? This very thing. That He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord is going to keep His promise. If He has started a good work in you, if He has begun a good work in you at salvation, the promise is He is not going to quit. 
He's not going to walk away from you and say, my goodness, this clay is just too uh, hard to work with. This clay is just not going to turn out to be the vessel that I want him to be. He says, no. You know, sometimes in the Christian life, uh, the enemy will whisper in our ear and say something like this. You can't do this. You can't be a Christian. You can't live a Christian life. You can't serve God. You can't walk with the Lord. He'll say these things in our ears. And you know what? You know what you should say back? That's right. I can't. But God can in me. I can't live. I can't live a Christian. I can't be spiritual. I can't be sanctified. I can't make myself into what God wants me to be. And so therefore, I won't even try. I'll let God. I'll surrender my life to God. I will give it to Him for Him to do the work in me, for Him to do the transformation, for Him to do the renewing of the mind. Uh, I can't do it, but He can do it. And here's the promise. He will do it. And He's not going to give up on us. He's not going to walk away from us. Uh, if we are in Christ and Christ is in us, uh, this, is, this is how we walk in the light. This is how we have fellowship one with the other. This is how the Lord has fellowship with us. I think of the words to the hymn, and He walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am His own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever no. This is Christ in us and us in Christ. This should not be strange. This should not be a weird thought to think that God walks with us. God talks with us. That we have fellowship in Him and with Him. And as we close, just remember this. You say, I feel like and sometimes in my Christian life I take one step forward and two steps back. Uh, don't believe Don't believe some of the discouraging thoughts that come into your head. Believe this. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He is going to perform the work that He said He was going to do. And He promised that He was going to work in us and that He would do it. Let me ask you this question. This may take a little time for you to think about. A little soul searching. Maybe not just right now, but maybe you'd ask yourself this question later today in a quiet time, in a place like this. Are we doing what we were created to do? I believe that God makes us. As His people, He wants to fashion us into a vessel for His purpose. And sometimes when you're serving God and you're doing what you know that God's created you to do, you just say, man, this is what God made me for. This is what God created me to do. And if not, then maybe say, Lord, I, I want to present myself to You. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Lord, I want to know what is that good and perfect and, and, and acceptable will. God, I want to know what that is. And so I surrender myself to you. I surrender my life to you for your service and your purpose. Because here's the thing. Whatever we can plan for our life, I believe God's purpose, God's plan is that. Why? Because he's the potter and we're the clay. Take my life. That's what it is. It's a surrender. Take my life. I know that this is a kind of a, a, a sermon that I preach a lot or a point that I make a lot is, is surrendering our lives to the Lord. But outside of salvation, outside of accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, I think the next biggest decision, the next biggest presentation that we can make is saying, okay, Lord, uh, you've given me salvation. Now here's what I will, will do. I will give you my life. I'll surrender it. And God, I want you to do the work that you want to do. 
and create me into the woman, into the man that you would have me to be. And so God, I want to take my hands off of trying to make everything work. I want to surrender to you, Lord, and I want you to form me into your image and form me into the vessel that you have. Make me what you want me to be, that I may know your will, O God. Our body, the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Isn't it interesting that when we look around the world, we see a lot of beautiful buildings, a lot of beautiful churches, a lot of beautiful temples. But you know what the workman says? I think that uh, I want to dwell inside of them. I want to dwell inside of her, inside of him. Why? Because to us, to the Lord, we are beautiful. He loves us. And he wants to work on us to make us into his image, into his vessel. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.